Hello, Rebels. I'm David Menzies filling in for Ezra Levent. You're listening to a free audio-only recording of the Ezra Levent Show. And on tonight's show, Ontario's teachers' unions seemingly are obsessed with gender. And we also found out what Omar Khadr did with some of his $10.5 million. Now, if you like listening to this podcast, then you'll love watching it. But in order to watch, you need to be a subscriber to premium content. That's what we call our long format TV style shows on The Rebel. Subscribers get access to watching Ezra's Daily Show as well as the other great TV style shows too. It's only $8 a month to subscribe or you can subscribe annually and get two months free. And just for podcast listeners, you can save an extra 10% on a new premium membership by using the coupon code PODCAST when you subscribe. Just go to therebel.media slash shows to become a member. And please leave a five-star review on this podcast and subscribe in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Those reviews are a great way to support The Rebel without having to spend a dime. And now, enjoy this free audio-only version of Ezra's show. Tonight, when it comes to gender pronouns, it looks like teachers' unions are losing their minds. It's March 12th, I'm David Menzies, and this is The Ezra Levent Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. So the Ontario Secondary School Teachers Federation, a.k.a. the OSSTF, conducted its annual meeting of the Provincial Assembly on the weekend. Now, according to the OSSTF, the Provincial Assembly is the supreme legislative body of the OSSTF and is responsible for establishing or amending Federation policies, bylaws, constitutions, budgets, etc., etc., Gee, that sounds serious. Now, I'm sure they speak about really, really important things regarding how kids should be taught in Ontario. Well, maybe. Because a friend sent along this picture about one of the seminars the tall foreheads at the OSSTF took part in. Namely, quote, preferred gender pronouns, how to take important steps in becoming a trans ally, end quote. Oh man, oh man. Excuse me, sir, there's a young man in here. Excuse me, it's ma'am. It is ma'am. I can call the police if you like me to. You need to settle down. You need to settle down and mind your business, okay? Ma'am, once again, ma'am. Now, the seminar begins with what is a pronoun? Now, call me an elitist if you must, folks, but I think if you are a secondary school teacher and you don't know what a pronoun is, then maybe you need to go back to school. In any event, we then move into what's called preferred gender pronouns or PGPs, or what I call terms taken from the living land of make-believe, which is to say it is recommended that if someone doesn't know if they're a boy or a girl, you should replace he and her with Z. And if there is a bunch of such people in your class, instead of using they, it is recommended that you say here. 
That's right. The OSSTF is being complicit in rewriting the English language, all the while students in Ontario graduate high school without knowing how to spell cat if you were to spot them the C and the T because thanks to a no-fail policy, well, God forbid we don't want some snowflake self-esteem to get damaged, do we? By the way, if the confused gender person doesn't like he, her, they, or even the new whiz-bang Z here, teachers are recommended simply to use their name. For example, Zena ate Zena's food because Zena was hungry. Besides, Zena probably speaks in the third person when she is speaking too, kind of like, oh, I don't know, the Incredible Hulk. You know, folks, Hulk will smash. Hulk is strong as there is. Puny human teachers talk and talk, make Hulk's head hurt. Yeah, so let's all use Hulk speak so that the percent of a percent of a percent of transgenders who don't know what their gender is won't feel slighted. Hey, thanks, Teach. But what is it with Ontario teachers unions and their obsession with gender? Remember back in December 2017 how the Elementary Teachers Federation of Ontario released their gender guidelines, which is to say LGBT, well, that's so 2013. So it is that this particular Teachers Federation came up with a new initialism, namely L-G-G-B-D-T-T-T-I-Q-Q-A-A-P-P. And this 15-letter spoonful of alphagetti stands for, wait for it, lesbian, gay, genderqueer, bisexual, demisexual, transgender, transsexual, two-spirit, intersex, queer, questioning, asexual, allies, pansexual, and polyamorous. Oh, as an aside, did you notice that one letter is conspicuously absent, namely H, as in H for heterosexual? You know that silly sexual orientation that comprises about 98% of the people on the planet. But I digress. This led to one of the most unintentionally funny interviews on Tucker Carlson's show. That's when Tucker interviewed former Liberal Party President Stephen LeDrew about this particular mandate. Anyway, here's a clip of the painfully politically correct LeDrew going to bat for this bizarre 15-letter descriptor. I, I'll bet you, Tucker, all those categories that are in that uh, long litany that you laid out there, I'll bet you that no one, well, maybe five people in all of Canada, could lay out what exactly those are. But if someone feels that they are a better person, that they are more included in society, that there's someone else in society, some teachers, who understand them or who want to understand them, you know, that's what Canada's about. No, no, no. Yeah, that's what Canada's all about, isn't it? Inclusion, diversity is our strength, and all that other groovy stuff. Now, later on, the conversation dovetailed into freedom of speech issues, with Carlson noting that freedom of speech is being increasingly stifled in Canada, but, oh, the proud liberal LeDrew, he told Carlson that he's dead wrong, that our dominion is still a bastion of free speech. Check it out. Look, this is taking place in Canada, so it doesn't affect 
me or most of our viewers directly, but I just sort of wonder, because free speech is not guaranteed, as you know, in your country, and people are in prison for saying unpopular things there. I wonder what would happen I to someone... So. Well, well, you're wrong. They are. But I, I wonder well, what, would happen, then, what would happen to somebody who said, you know, I don't want, I'm not interested in playing along with this. I don't know what it is. You don't know what it is. Leave me alone. Teach my kids to read and do math. That person would be dismissed as insensitive or bigoted or worse, wouldn't he? No, they wouldn't. I mean, because we're not judgmental like that. So you're saying, from an American <laughs> point of view, that person would be dismissed as bigoted. But in Canada, they wouldn't be. They say, okay, fine. That's your opinion. Others have a different opinion. Oh, if only that and, were true. And you know what? I in wish Canada, that were true. I mean, that's well, the country I want to live in. True. I want to live in a country where we can disagree. We don't call each other names. And we sort of agree to disagree. But that's not the country you live in. And increasingly, that's not the country I live in. Oh, it, it is. It is the country that we live in, Canada. There's a big difference between the United States and Canada. And that's one of the differences. Yeah. Okay, now here's the crux of the matter. After the segment aired, LeDrew was suspended and then later on fired outright by his employer, Bell Media. Why was he suspended, you ask? Well, according to my sources, LeDrew's termination was all about appeasing the squeaky wheels of the LGBT, etc., 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 community who took issue with a single, albeit seemingly innocuous, line uttered by LeDrew. Here it is. This is meaningful because teachers are being taught this, kids will be taught it. And I think I have a right to non judgmentally ask what they're talking about. So, for example, what's two spirit? Well, two-spirit sounds like there's someone they don't know whether they're, uh, you know, fish or fowl. They don't know whether they're frick or frack. So they're clearly confused. And, you know, again, if you're confused, what better place to go than to be at school? Ooh, did you catch that? LeDrew said, fish or fowl, frick or frack. And apparently the various non-binary, gender-fluid, asexual spirit unicorns allegedly went frothing mad over this remark. After all, that almost sounded like they were being mocked. And we can't have that now, can we? Because mocking or even saying something that seems to be mocking, well, that's hate speech, and that must be banned. So much for free speech. As for the Elementary Teachers Federation of Ontario, don't you think, folks, this federation should be less concerned with gender bender nonsense and more concerned with, oh, I don't know, the fact that less than half of Ontario grade six students meet the provincial standard in math. At least that was the numbers for the 2017-2018 school year. But that's how the teachers unions roll in Ontario. Ariario. Who cares if a grade six student flunks when coming up with the answer for six times six, as long as they know that there are 15 different genders and as long as they are very careful to replace he, her, and they with Z and here, or talk in the third person like Dr. Banner's green-skinned alter ego, well, that's apparently the really important stuff taking place in the province's classrooms these days. Gee, why do I get this funny feeling that we're about to witness a huge uptick in homeschooling in the months and years ahead? Stay with us for more. Well, I suppose the best thing that can be said about Omar Khadr's taxpayer-funded jackpot is that at least he's invested about a third of it in Canada. And even better, now that it's been revealed that Khadr 
is the co-owner of an Edmonton strip plaza. Perhaps this opens the door for the Spear and Moores families to get their hands on this asset as part of that $134 million settlement they were awarded against Cotter in U.S. civil court. And with more on this fascinating tale is none other than the person who broke this story, Sheila Gunn-Reed. Welcome to the Ezra Levent Show, Sheila. Hey, David. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, great to have you and, and fantastic story. And, you know, that was indeed a great expose you did revealing where Cotter has hidden at least a portion of his fortune, Sheila. But I imagine the question on, on everybody's mind right now is simply this. Will the lawyers for the Spear and Morris families be successful in somehow seizing this Edmonton asset? Well, that remains to be seen. They have a, a battle ahead of them getting a Canadian court to enforce that $134 million wrongful death judgment that they have. I believe it's in a Utah court here in Canada. So um, the best they can do and the best that I can do right now in the interim is to track um, where some of that money went. And now we know where at least a third of it has gone. Yeah, and that's kind of the X factor in these kind of cases, isn't it, Sheila, that once it's uh, cross-jurisdictional, especially when it's another nation involved, that's where things get a little messy and a little tricky sometimes, right? Yeah, I mean, they've had some serious hurdles put up against them as um, as they've tried to enforce the judgment here. Um, like I said, so the best we can do right now is make sure that um, if we have information like this about where some of the hidden assets are, whether it's his um, home that he co-owns with his wife or this piece of property that he co-owns with another business partner, if we can flag it back to the lawyers for the families, um, at least we're doing something to keep our eye on the prize for them. 100%, Sheila. And you used the word hurdle. And, you know, it can't go without saying, and, and you did mention this in your commentary, of course, Sheila, that... It was one thing for the Trudeau Liberals to give Cotter that Lotto Max prize on, uh, that the taxpayers, unfortunately, are paying for. But it was quite another thing, wasn't it, when um, they put up, they, they structured the award in such a way that it was going to be very difficult for anybody to get their hands on this money. Yeah, I, I mean, just think about that. We had Justin Trudeau who didn't allow this human rights um, abuse to actually proceed to a legitimate trial where real evidence would be presented about what exactly the human rights abuses that sweet little Omar experienced when he was in Gitmo for yeah. murder. Um, he didn't allow that to happen. So there was no transparency there. We were just supposed to take Omar Cotter's word for it, um, this convicted murderer. And then secondarily, he structured it in such a way that it would be protected um, from these families. They were being denied justice by a prime minister who was cooperating with an, an enemy combatant's lawyers. It, I mean, it is just 
I mean, it's crooked. It's crooked. It's disgusting. And it's against Canadian values. Oh, and Sheila, I couldn't agree with you more. And the cherry on that Sunday, if you recall, when this story uh, first broke, um, what Trudeau and, the, and his liberal cronies were saying is, well, you know what? Um, if we let this go through the courts, this could cost several million more than this 10.5 million. So Sheila, suddenly on this file, the Trudeau liberals are fiscal conservatives? Give me a break. Well, and worse still, they set the precedent for every other questionable actor to uh, make that application for another $10.5 million for themselves. And we're seeing that play out right now where other people are coming forward and claiming human rights abuses. I ended up on a no-fly list or whatever the problem is. And now $10.5 million seems to be the standard payout that we are supposed to give to these folks without ever proceeding to trial. And, you know, on that note, Sheila, if you were to poll Canadians on this, what I'm, I'm editorializing here, but what minute percentage would possibly agree to this murderers, terrorists, you know, who have self-confessed to their odious deeds, um, tre treason, uh, traitorous behavior, and yet we're cutting them eight-figure checks? I mean, this does not compute. Self-confessed, non-repentant uh, terrorists. That's who we're paying out. And uh, I, I think it is a very, very tiny portion of the Canadian population. I've noticed a lot of the online chatter, the people who say, Sheila, you're stalking this poor man. <laughs> um, no, really. Um, it, when you go to look, to see the other things these sorts of people are saying, there's an overwhelming anti-American sentiment. Yeah. Um, people who say that the Americans were invaders in Omar's land. Omar's land is Canada <laughs> or Omar's land is Afghanistan, but Omar can't have it both ways. If Omar's land is Afghanistan, then go back to Afghanistan and give me my $10.5 million back. If Omar's land is Canada, then he was an enemy combatant against our allies and even possibly building bombs to hurt and maim soldiers who incidentally may have been stationed here at CFB Edmonton where Omar Cotter now lives. So, uh, I mean, the people defending this, they are really just fringe kooks. Yeah. And, and of course, it should be noted, Sheila, that post-confession, uh, Omar Khadr has recanted his guilty confession. But as I also understand it, the American plaintiffs argue that Khadr cannot avoid civil judgment by recanting his confession and his guilty plea. So um, at least that's in their corner. Yeah, this may be the only justice that ever comes out of any of this. The fact that this murderer got 40 years seems a little low to me. Um, the fact that he was able to spend it in Gitmo, which actually seems like a pretty nice place when you look at some of the pictures and videos of Gitmo. And then the fact that he was repatriated to Canada. Canada did it begrudgingly after um, pressure from the Obama administration. And then he used our legal system against us. And now he's basically on bail. He has very few restrictions, except for the fact that he can't travel to Saudi Arabia or go visit his um, his Al Qaeda sister. I mean, yeah. really, the fact that he walks free is just uh, I mean, it, it's flaunting the injustice of it all, both to Canadians and to the American surviving victims of Omar Khadr, but executing this judgment 
it may be the best we can ever get to bringing some closure and real punishment to Omar Khadr. You know, as you're talking, I'm just looking at a clip of Omar Khadr having a press conference uh, and he's wearing a, a boss jacket. So I, I guess he's, um, he's a real fashionista with all those millions in his bank account. But, you know, Sheila, what I found really um, somewhat of an affront was Khadr's main defense uh, against uh, being uh, you know, uh, uh, obligated to pay that judgment that the American families have brought against them is that it would be, quote, contrary to Canadian public policy and an affront to the concept of justice. Can you imagine? Here we have a convicted Islamist terrorist murderer suddenly going to bat for Canadian public policy and the concept of justice. What do you make of this? You know what else is a, an affront to Canadian public policy? Mm. Killing an allied soldier yes. on a foreign battlefield as an enemy combatant. That is against Canadian public policy. But his logic is exactly the same as those ISIS brides now who want to come home now that the caliphate has fallen. Um, they, they repeat Justin Trudeau's mantra of a Canadian is a Canadian is a Canadian. And now they want... Um, Canadians to set aside common sense and take these evildoers back because all is forgiven because we just forgive and forget with our fellow Canadians. Well, I don't think Canadians are forgetting anytime soon, and I don't think we have a lot of forgiveness in our heart for the likes of Omar Khadr. And, you know, speaking of the uh, Justin Trudeau liberals, Sheila, uh, I'm going to give you a hypothetical question. Since your story broke on Sunday about where Omar's hidden about a third of his uh, ill-gotten gains, I'm just wondering what, I mean, if we were a fly on the wall of uh, Justin Trudeau's office, what he's thinking about this, and for that matter, what Omar Carter's thinking about this, because remember, this payment was made very early in, in the Trudeau uh, mandate. It was like to get it out of the way years before an election, but this is an election year, and suddenly this story that I think rubbed the vast majority of Canadians the wrong way. Suddenly it's on the front burner right now. What do you think they're uh, saying to each other uh, regarding this? Well, a story like this really puts um, Justin Trudeau's sympathy for the devil in the forefront. Yeah. Um, and while it was a little while ago that, um, that Justin Trudeau did this, um, it, Canadians haven't forgotten at the time, you know, we raised nearly a quarter of a million dollars for the Spear kids right when they needed it the most. I say we, but I mean all the rebels and all of our supporters did that for them as um, as a gesture um, to the world and to the Spear family that we are not our prime minister and we don't share his opinions on Omar Khadr. Um and I think that's got to be weighing pretty heavily on Justin Trudeau when we have problems with, like I just mentioned, returning ISIS brides and returning ISIS fighters and problems at the border. I mean, we actually know what Omar Khadr has done and he's within our country. So it sort of shines the light on um, Justin Trudeau's border problems because we don't know what those people have done before they're in our country and they're here because of a stupid tweet by the prime minister. So I think this just opens up a big can of worms and puts it in the top of the mind of Canadians once again as we go into election season. Indeed. And uh, one last question to you, Sheila, in terms of uh, doing a little crystal ball gazing here. 
Where do you see this story going now? Do you see maybe Omar Khadr quickly divesting himself of this asset, if that's doable, or um, or what? Um, you know, I think it, we might have to wait and see. Omar Khadr does have a business partner. Is he going to sign this property over to his business partner and just liquidate the asset? Um, that leaves him another problem of, what to do with this money to keep it away from my prying eyes and the prying eyes of the family. Um, I think now that we know where some of this money is, it makes it a lot easier for us to track. And I think that becomes a very big problem for Omar Khadr and his enablers. Yeah, and I know you're going to keep on this story, Sheila, and uh, keep doing this uh, great work and due diligence, and maybe we can find out where the rest of this money is done, and at least by way of media exposure, get some small measure of justice in uh, what I think is a complete miscarriage of justice. So, Sheila, thank you once again. Great piece. Thank you, David. And keep it here, folks. More of the Ezra Levent Show to come right after this. Well, folks, thanks for tuning in and putting up with me. I'm filling in for Ezra tonight and tomorrow because Ezra is over in the UK covering the latest Tommy trial. And indeed, here's what Ezra is up to. Ezra Levant for the Rebel Dot Media. We have just finished the first day in the trial of Tommy Robinson versus the Cambridgeshire Police. Tommy gave his testimony, and then a couple of different police officers, an inspector, and then a PC, which I think stands for police constable. Uh, the, the constable was a tactical advisor to the football policing strategy here in the UK football gangs or hooligans are such a big phenomenon that there are special laws governing them and special police tactics. For example, police from a local team's community actually travel with the team as they play football around the country so they can keep an eye for the known hooligans. It was a very interesting education for those of us not from the United Kingdom about how football law works. They have something called a risk offender, a risk fan. Uh, if you're a, they just call it a risk uh, fan. If you are at risk, if you are known to be a hooligan, a troublemaker, a fighter. And what we heard again and again today is that Tommy was by definition not a risk supporter. That's the phrase, a risk supporter, because he was with his kids all day and he was not drinking and he was not consorting or conferring with any hooligans. He was there obviously for a family day. They went to the festival, the carnival. They got cotton candy. Tommy was watching the game in the pub, but the kids were playing. It was a, a day out for the family. And every poli both policemen on the stand today admitted that Tommy's conduct was unimpeachable, that he absolutely was not a risk supporter. We heard interesting testimony by the cops about well, what exactly did Tommy do? What did you see or say he did? There was no record of the name Tommy Robinson or Stephen Yaxley Lennon, as he's also known, in any of the logs. I wonder if that's because he never came up or because police purged his name from him. Interestingly, there was a policeman who had a camera on Tommy for the entire altercation, and whoopsies, the police department lost that footage. 
very, very sketchy in my mind. But look, the cops held the line. They watched each other give testimony and they made sure their testimonies were in sync. Tommy has the footage from his own cell phone, proof that that's a very smart tactic of his, his point, because unethical police might delete certain things and say, well, what can you do? So this trial continues tomorrow and perhaps a third day. I'll be here in Peterborough, the UK, covering the trial. Thanks to the generous support of our crowdfunding viewers. If you want to see all of my videos from this place, go to TommyTrial.com. I will be live tweeting from the trial itself at my Twitter feed, which is Twitter.com slash Ezra Levant. And if you feel so moved to chip in to help cover the cost of me being here, please do. You can also do that at TommyTrial.com. Until tomorrow, good night and keep fighting for freedom. Thank you.